Welcome to the Yoga Hour, offering insights and practices for spiritually conscious living in today's world. Here is your host, Dr. Laurel Trujillo. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, where we talk about yoga in all its depth and breadth as a path to spiritually conscious, fulfilled living in today's world. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the show. Today, we're going to be discussing meditation, the benefits of a regular meditation practice, and the four easy steps we can take to be able to meditate naturally. I'm delighted to be joined again by Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien. Yogacharya O'Brien is an acclaimed teacher, award-winning author, and minister who has served seekers of spiritual enlightenment from all walks of life for over 40 years. She has published several books and audio programs about meditation, mindfulness, and spiritual living, offering a refreshing and authentic voice that makes timeless wisdom accessible to the modern mind. As a teacher in the tradition of Kriya Yoga, Yogacharya O'Brien serves people from all faith backgrounds who are seeking self and God realization or awakening. She's the spiritual director of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in San Jose, California, as well as the founder and spiritual director of this podcast. You can find out more about Yogacharya O'Brien at her website, ellengraceobrien.com, and O'Brien is O-B-R-I-A-N, or at csecenter.org. You can follow her on Facebook and Instagram at Ellen Grace O'Brien. Welcome to the Yoga Hour, Yogacharya O'Brien. I'm really delighted to have you back on the podcast to talk about such an important topic, meditation, and how we can um, develop or recommit ourselves to a meditation practice. So welcome. Thank you so much, Laurel, and thanks to the Yoga Hour team and all of the subscribers. It's wonderful that we can have these conversations and share them about things that you know matter so deeply to us so thank you and it's a joy to be with you again before we begin our dialogue about meditation let's start as we mean to go on let's start with a, a fully conscious moment um, a moment of just being right here and right now So let's begin by bringing our attention to our body, just feeling our body in space, no matter what we're doing, if we're sitting or standing, walking, just feeling our body. And then bringing our attention to the surfaces that support our weight whether that might be a chair for walking, feeling our feet on the ground. And then bringing the attention to the breath and just noticing as we take a fully conscious breath on the next inhale and exhale. On the next inhale, feeling the cool air in the nostrils. And on the exhale, feeling how now that air has been warmed as it passes out through the nostrils. And just staying with the breath, continuing just to notice the breath, not changing the natural flow, but just noticing. Here is something to contemplate from Paramahansa Yogananda from his book, Metaphysical Meditations. Fix your mind inwardly between the eyebrows on the shoreless lake of peace. Watch the eternal circle of rippling peace around you. The more you watch intently, the more you will feel the wavelets of peace spreading from the eyebrows to the forehead, from the forehead to the heart, and on to every cell in your body. Now the waters of peace are overflowing the banks of your body and inundating the vast territory of your mind. The flood of peace flows 
over boundaries of your mind and moves on in infinite directions. Om. Once again, Yogacharya O'Brien, welcome back to the Yoga Hour for this important discussion about meditation. In the tradition of Kriya Yoga that is taught at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, meditation and especially superconscious meditation is considered the key practice for self and God realization. Well, let's start there, especially for our listeners who are new to Kriya Yoga and its practices. Would you talk a little bit about self and God realization, what they are and, and why we might want that? Well, that's such a big question, really. It is. Um, you know, self-realization um, is knowing the truth of our being, you know, as spiritual beings. Um, it is not just knowing about, it's not the information. It's not limited to the information. Thinking about, well, you know, we are spiritual beings, but it is the direct experience of that. So we have knowledge of it, but we also have the direct experience of it. And so it is that uh, knowing based on direct experience that is realization. So to know through direct experience that we are um, spiritual beings, meaning that we are um, pure existence being. We are that unchanging uh, reality, which is spirit, birthless, deathless being. Mm -hmm. And that consciousness, that which we are, illumines the mind and energizes the body that we see, you know, through realization of the self that we are neither the mind nor the body, um, but we are that uh, changeless reality, which is referred to as the self. And God realization is, you know, knowing God as the ultimate reality, um, which is both transcendent and eminent, which is both beyond the worlds and through the worlds. And I, I was thinking about, you know, the great sage in our tradition, uh, Lahiri Mahashaya, who said, self-realization is God realization. Mm. And, um, by that, you know, then he explained, he said, look, look into yourself and know yourself. Mm -hmm. So, you know, once you know that pure essence of um, absolute reality, that is what God is. And so it is not that that you as the small self are God, um, but that there is that uh, ultimate reality, which is at the core of all of life. And we are that. Mm -hmm. So self and God realization are linked, you know, in some traditions they say, well, you know, if you don't know yourself, how can you find God? Mm -hmm. As you were speaking, what I was thinking is that um, lots of times we talk about this as a transformative path that you know, these teachings transform lives. And when I think about why is this important, um, I think having that, those kind of, well, being on this path and having those experiences then is such a transformation in our lives that is so visible to ourselves and to the people that we live with, so. Well, you know, and it, for me this, it was one of the things that really drew me to the path of Kriya Yoga, um, the teaching which seemed so counter to um, many religious teachings even, and of course to ordinary mind, um, cultural orientation, was the promise of Kriya Yoga that it's possible to know God. And so, you know, many 
traditions say, well, God is unknowable. You cannot know God. Um, but we find um, in the teachings, the Vedic teachings, that you know, God is knowable, but not in the sense that we're used to thinking of knowable, like knowing, you know, with the mind, because, you know, God is um, not a, an object that we can know by the mind, but is the pure subject, the pure reality of everything. So, you know, I was um, at first fascinated and drawn to this teaching that it is possible um, to know God. And not only is it possible, but it is, you know, your destiny as a human being to wake up to that truth um, of your own being through direct experience. And today, of course, we're talking about meditation. And in our tradition, meditation is the doorway to that, because mm -hmm. it's the way that we um, learn how to quiet the mind so that attention and awareness can move beyond the mind, you know, beyond that um, constriction, um, that identification that, um, you know, keeps us in that subject object um, uh, perception and allows us to go beyond and to see what is beyond that box of um, mm -hmm. objectivity. Mm -hmm. Many meditation classes are are held at CSE, how to meditate. And we often ask the question at the beginning of the class, why are people there? Why did they come? Why do you want to learn to meditate? And usually the answers are, I want to experience more peace, or I want to be less reactive in difficult situations, or perhaps I want to be happier. So these are universal human needs, of course. How does meditation help? with these sorts of things. Well, it's fascinating, you know, to think about all the ways in which meditation supports healing, um, you know, self-discovery, finding happiness, peace, um, wisdom. And um, there was a really good book that came out a few years ago. In fact, you um, interviewed the author, Eddie Stern, um, and I think I did too. And um, his book was called One Simple Thing. And he engaged in a research project about yoga. And, um, and he had this question of, you know, how was it that whatever people came with in their practice of yoga, you know, whether it's meditation or hatha yoga, whatever it was, um, they seemed to take away what they needed you know, they, if they were, you know, experiencing anxiety, they seem to, you know, find a taste of peace. If they were unhappy, they seem to find, you know, a glimmer of happiness and so on and so forth. I mean, wide range of um, potentiality. And so, you know, he was so curious, how does that work? You know, how does that happen? And, um, you know, the, the simple answer is that, you know, just what we were talking about in the first question, the self, um, which is our essence of being, you know, is the source of our happiness. It is the source of wisdom. It is the source of healing. And so the practice of meditation or really yoga in any of its forms is designed to connect us with that self in which can be found, you know, this um, direct experience of, you know, those universal needs that we are looking to fulfill. Um, lately, I've been contemplating and really remembering um, in my own life, my own practice, um, Baba Haridas, um, contemporary yogi who's passed on now, um, wrote, uh, do hatha yoga regularly and you will give up those things that are not good for you when you are ready. And, you know, we could substitute the word meditation here, you know, meditate regularly and you will give up those things that are not good for you when you are ready. And then he uh, wrote a little more on it. He said, by doing hatha yoga regularly, the body and mind are purified and a person begins to realize which thing is good for them and which is not. Mm -hmm. 
Automatically, their mind rejects the bad things like use of drugs, stale food, eating too much or sleeping too much, etc. So the same thing by meditating regularly, the body and mind are purified and a person begins to realize which thing is good for them and which is not automatically their mind rejects the bad things like use of drugs, stale food, eating too much or sleeping too much. And that was my experience. You know, when I began meditating, I was also practicing hot yoga, which is helpful. Um, but you just uh, begin to see more clearly, you know, what um, effect uh, your habits have on you. Um, you know, what you're eating, what is triggering you, um, all of that, you, because the mind is purified um, and the light of the soul can shine into it, um, you begin to see and then your, your life, you know, gradually, gradually begins to change in positive ways. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Ah, such a beautiful explanation. Thank you. Turning to one of the main texts that we study at the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, uh, the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali, um, it says at the very beginning, the Yoga Sutras 1.2 and 1.3, that samadhi is experienced when fluctuations in the meditator's awareness are restrained and pacified. The seer then consciously abides in its own nature or essence. This seems to me to have to be so central to everything in Kriya Yoga and also in meditation. Would you say more about these two sutras that are at the very beginning that really kind of start out the Yoga Sutras of Patanjali? Well, you know, there are many, many different ways to meditate. And um, Patanjali's Yoga Sutra um, is really focused on the experience of samadhi or oneness with that which is being contemplated, um, the direct experience of it. And so here it's referring to uh, samadhi as oneness with our essence of being. Um, you know, samadhi means to bring together completely. So it's bringing our attention and our awareness together completely with our essence of being. Um, so the, the trick is that part about um, modifications in the mind being restrained and pacified. In other words, quieting the thought activity. Right. And that's where people, you know, and even in the classic texts, you know, it's not, it's not just a problem with the modern mind, you know, we find, you know, Arjuna in the Bhagavad Gita having the same problem, you know, talking to Lord Krishna and saying, you know, wait a minute, you know, you're recommending meditation, but the mind is, you know, is way too unruly for that. It's like the wind, it, you know, goes where it will. And, um, you know, and Krishna says, you know, like a good therapist, yes, of course, that's a problem, but it is still possible. And um, so, you know, Kriya Yoga, uh, Ashtanga Yoga um, teaches us, you know, how to quiet the mind. And this is kind of, you know, the way this uh, part of this section of the Yoga Sutras begins is that mountaintop view. Okay, this is what happens. You know, when you quiet the mind, when the mind becomes quiet, then you just naturally abide in your essence of being. And you experience that directly. You experience the peace that is inherent to your own being, the peace of the soul, as the scriptures say, that is beyond understanding, meaning that it, it's not created, it's not. Um, because of any situation, it's not of the mind, it's beyond mind, beyond understanding. So when the mind gets quiet, you know, we naturally experience um, that which we are, we consciously abide in our own unchanging nature. Um, that is the truth of our being. Sometimes when I'm leading meditation, I say to people, let your mind sink into your heart. Mm -hmm. And um, 
it's an interesting um, instruction because it's not a very much like a step-by-step thing, <laughs> but, but well, first I'm a poet. So of course I would say it that way, but second, um, I like it because intuitively we already know that about ourselves, that in, in our heart, meaning our essence of being the core of our being is that stillness mm-hmm. and, um, just allowing the the awareness to drop into that depth um, takes us right into meditation. So, you know, meditation is really natural for us. You know, I mean, people experience it um, naturally, certainly before they come to any kind of formal practice. Um, you know, we often talk about people having meditative experiences, you know, just walking on the beach and, you know, and noticing this beauty of the day um, and the peace that is, you know, pervading the mind and a freedom from the relentless um pounding of thought activity in the mind. And so that's a meditative moment. And, you know, if you're not meditating, you don't know what it is, you know, next week you'll go back to the same beach and try to find it. But, you know, it's, it's, it's actually uh, within you. So we, we have those experiences because they're, they're natural to us. So meditation isn't, you know, trying to create some condition. It's about removing conditioning that allows us to experience, you know, what is, what is already there. And, you know, right now in the times that we're living in October 11th, 2023, um, there's some stress in our world and probably any day that I would say, we would say, yes, there's so much stress in people's lives. So we need meditation, I think, more than ever Mm -hmm. um, to be able to experience um, what Yogananda called the portable piece that we carry around with us um, to help us become resilient in trying times. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. So in your writing and and in your speaking, you've many times referred to this thing of super conscious meditation, which, as you've said, there's many, many kinds of meditation. There's guided meditation. There's meditation where there's a lot of talking going on, um, where someone's guiding you, you know, into a beautiful place or what have you. Um, But the meditation process that we teach at Center for Spiritual Enlightenment is this super conscious meditation. We set that as an intention, perhaps at the beginning of our practice that we want to meditate super consciously. So would you say a little bit more about that super conscious meditation and why that is the most effective tool for getting what we want that we said earlier, all of the, you know, the happiness and, the um, you know, the peace that we're looking for? Super conscious meditation refers to um, that meditation which allows us to directly experience consciousness beyond identification with the mental level of our being. And um, so, you know, as we study yoga, uh, you know, we study the mind. And, uh, you know, we learn that a lot of our troubles (laughs) come from our um, tendency to be identified with the mind and the body. And at that level of ordinary consciousness, which in where the ego self resides and, um, but there is that uh, level of awareness that is super consciousness that is beyond that ordinary mind, beyond that ordinary fragmented mind that is um, engaged in um, re- reacting and responding to sensory input and, and so forth. So 
we learn that, you know, there's unconscious mind, there's subconscious mind, there's conscious mind, that's what we call the ordinary waking state, and there's super consciousness, which is beyond all those changing states. Mm-hmm. And so you can sort of understand super consciousness as not a state, not one of those mental states, but it is the ground of being that makes um, that is the ground of all those changing states of consciousness, you know, through, throughout any given day, we, we go through all those changes of um, different states of consciousness. You know, we move from sleep state, you know, from the deep sleep state into the waking state into ordinary mind and consciousness. So sometimes people think, you know, being awake is at that um, state of ordinary consciousness, but um, in yoga teachings, we find that no, in fact, um, that's all changeable. And the light that is making perception possible is your conscious self. And that is um, that uh, ground of me being or super consciousness. So super conscious meditation is about getting beyond that ordinary state of um, what we call the conscious state or waking state where the mind is you know, changing all the time. It is moving into what you might call the witness, um, just being aware of being aware. Yes, absolutely. And, and I, always, um, I always think about all of the ways in which people describe ultimate reality as beyond words, beyond thoughts. And when you're having that experience in meditation, it's difficult to describe it afterwards because it is beyond words. It is beyond thoughts. So if uh, listeners have had that experience of uh, uh, something that has happened to them that they find difficult to describe, well, that <laughs> may be somewhere that you want to look, um, you know, further. Yeah. And it's a common experience that when you're in meditation and, um, you, you you have that experience of super consciousness of moving, you know, attention and awareness moving, you know, beyond uh, mental perception um, and you experience it. And then the mind comes back in and says, oh, I'm experiencing it now. <laughs> and, <laughs> and as soon as that happens, you know, it's like, bing, you know, the bubble is, is burst. Um, and you're you're right back into that um, discursive uh, thought activity. So yeah, super consciousness is beyond thought. It's beyond judgment. And um, sometimes when we speak of that um, higher state of awareness or higher awareness as a witness, uh, I think it can get a little confusing with people for people and they think of it as the intellect function Mm -hmm. that is witnessing, you know, making decisions, you know, discerning, you know, between this and that, but it is beyond uh, intellect as well as, you know, the ordinary thinking mind, um, the faculty of discernment, discrimination um, are neither of those are um, super conscious. Mm-hmm. As a reminder to listeners, today on the Yoga Hour, my guest is Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, a spiritual teacher in the Kriya Yoga tradition, and uh, also author of many books, which you can check out at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. This link will be on our website at theyogahour.com. We welcome your comments and questions. You can contact us via that website, theyogahour.com, where you can also sign up for our mailing list to receive our monthly newsletter, which highlights prior episodes of The Yoga Hour and describes some upcoming ones as well. Getting back to what we were what we were talking about, about uh, meditation, I did just want to touch again on this idea that, that um, this meditative consciousness, the super consciousness is the background all the time. And I was struck by our title, meditation is simple and natural. Um, And I just wanted to kind of underline that, that this is not, we're not creating anything new, you know, here, we're just in a way allowing things to settle so that the uh, 
underlying clarity of that um, of that essence of being can shine through. Yeah, I was thinking this morning as I was thinking about having this conversation with you about uh, in our youth program and the classes that we've had for kids and their yoga camp, one of the things they do and the activities they have is, is making what they call a mind jar. And it's a, like a little jar that's they fill with water and then they put glitter in it and has a little cap on it. And the kids, you know, shake it up, shake it up, shake it up. And, you know, it's like a snow globe thing, right? You know, and and then they try to look through it um, to see what they can see. And, you know, the teaching is that, you know, when there's all that, you know, a glitter moving around and um, they can't see clearly through it, but when they hold it steady and the glitter sinks um, down to the base, then the water becomes clear and um, they can see through it, you know, and, and in the, you know, that makes me think of the Tao Te Ching too, the, the verse, um, you know, can you wait for your mud to settle um, so that everything becomes clear? And so we think about meditation as, as really a tool for life. <laughs> so learning, you know, how to be in the world, you know, awake and aware, letting all the restlessness settle, you know, ideally before we speak, before we act, mm -hmm. um, to be able to do that with more, more clarity and less regret. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yes. As we perhaps all have experienced <laughs> when we don't do that. In your book, The Jewel of Abundance, you give step-by-step -step instructions on how to meditate. And you set out four basic stages to meditation practice, which you describe like the four movements in a beautiful symphony. These four stages flow together in a great concert of higher awareness. So just touching first on those four stages, um, it's helpful that there's a little mnemonic because it's the four F's, <laughs> foster, focus, flow, and finish. And I wanted to go through those with you so that our listeners would have that as a little background of um, something that they can that they can look for that can be a helpful tool in establishing their meditation practice. So in foster, the first stage, we are arranging conditions that are conducive to meditative awareness. And that happens both outside in our environment, but also internally. Would you talk a bit more about how do we do this? What are some examples of internal and external conditions that impact our ability to meditate? You know, at the, at the top of the list, I would say, um, and especially for new meditators, but even for seasoned meditators, at the top of the list is the willingness to disconnect mm. from um, circumstances. And um, because then you can arrange conditions. Um, you know, if you have a, a part of you that is like, yeah, I want to meditate and I'm going to close my door, but I'm not going to turn off my phone because, you know, something important could be happening. Somebody could try to reach me. And so um, we, we have to first have that clear intention about, and that's part of, of course, fostering um, an environment where we'll be uninterrupted, but it's a, it's a key step for a meditator is being willing to disengage. And so there's so many ways now that we, you know, our awareness is distracted. So we have to have an idea, our sense of valuing that time where we will be uninterrupted. And once we have that and we have that commitment to that, it's not so hard to arrange conditions. You know, I mean, yes, there are there are people who have little kids and who have lots of pets and, you know, all of that. But, you know, most people can, even in 
difficult situations find some way that they can disengage and they can find an environment where they're going to be uninterrupted. So, you know, this morning, I want to say the most important thing is your determination um, to take the time for yourself um, and to unplug um, from anything that is going to distract you. So that's arranging that condition environmentally and internally that determination. And um, also I think fostering um, the right conditions that are conducive for meditation is, you know, as you touched on earlier, knowing that it's natural for you and um, that, you know, you're going to sit, you're going to arrange a seat for yourself and close the door or whatever you need to do. But you have an intention, you know, to meditate super consciously and a knowledge that it's not something that you need to be a spiritual athlete to do because it is natural to you. You're just going to, you know, have your prayer, whatever you do first, make your offering to, you know, begin to bring your attention and awareness to this meditative experience and, um, and knowing that that you can, I think, is a critical part of um, fostering the right attitude for meditation. I mean, you can imagine if you sit down with the idea of like, Ugh, you know, I can't do this. <laughs> I mean, some days we feel like that, but, you know, part of the beautiful teachings of meditation is that, you know, it's really observational. So, you know, you just observe that part of you that's saying, you know, who are you kidding? You know, you can't do this. Mm. And the more you can get into that observation rather than being down in the, you know, trenches of your beliefs, um, the more easily you'll find the way into meditation. When you were talking about just this willingness to disconnect, I was just imagining that jar of glitter mm -hmm. that's beginning to settle and then the cell phone goes off and it just kicks it all up again you know so now, now yeah. it has to settle again just yeah. as it's settling this the, the ding goes off you've gotten a text it goes ring <laughs> so yeah. and i know some people you know have pets that they really love and they're and the you know the pets are part of a calming atmosphere for them um and so some people want to meditate with their pets um, but you know, no, <laughs> because, <laughs> because it's unpredictable, you know, what they're going to do. Maybe, you know, you're, you just get right on that edge of complete stillness and it's, it's time for Fido to take his bath, you know, <laughs> and then, then there's that noise, right. <laughs> and, uh, you know, mm, no. <laughs> so we've talked about foster. So turning to the next stage, focus, this involves bringing our attention to a single point of focus and doing that recurrently, just continuing to come back and not allowing ourselves to become distracted, just noticing when we're be being distracted and bringing ourselves back to the point of focus. So would you say more about the importance of focus? Part of that is understanding that it is the nature of the mind to wander. You know, people get frustrated trying to meditate in a, because they think I can't stop my mind. Um, well, you actually, you don't, you don't do that because it's not the nature of the mind to stop. <laughs> you know, the, the, the mind is like our scanning device um, inwardly and outwardly. And it's continually doing that. I mean, even when we sleep, it's scanning the subconscious and bringing us dreams. This is the nature of the mind. So um, what we do, you know, with a point of focus is, is we give that tool that wants to do something, wants to scan, um, we give it a point to focus on. You know, I, I sometimes talk about, I don't know what I'm talking about dogs this morning. <laughs> I've been thinking about, I have a new puppy in the family, not at home, but in our family. But anyway, when you... <laughs> when you want a dog to settle down, you usually give them a, one of those chew toys, you know, That's right. rawhide chewy thing, you know, and they are, 
wrestle with it for a while. And, you know, and then after a while, they, they will just kind of circle around and lie down. And so I always think of a mantra or, you know, watching the breath or any of the tools that we use as a single point of focus as the chew toy, you know, for the puppy of the mind that, you know, if you just give it something interesting to focus on, you know, the mind uh, will, will do that. And you can train your mind to do that. Um, and then ultimately the, you know, you're, you're keeping the mind from wandering into divergent pathways is what you're doing um, because that's, it's natural thing to do. Mm -hmm. So for someone who's just beginning a meditation practice, what technique do you recommend for a new meditator just beginning? What point of focus is recommended? Well, the first and easiest and, um, you know, nobody needs to give you <laughs> is the breath, you know, just awareness of your breath, of your inhalation, your exhalation. Um, that's really feeling the sensation of the breath, you know, just like you did uh, in the beginning of the yoga hour today. I mean, someone can just use that as their template. You know, that's a very, very simple way to um, have a point of focus, a point of attention for the, for the mind. And it's, um, it's a common one. Um, but, and it's also a very powerful one. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Indeed. One of the things I've always noticed about focus, which is interesting is that it does seem like, you know, how, when we use a muscle, our strength gets, you know, stronger, it builds up and my ability to focus increases with a regular steady meditation practice. So it is almost like a muscle, you know, that you can build up that does become easier over time. So I would say that to someone who's just starting out, don't be discouraged by difficulty focusing, just continue to bring your mind back to the point of focus. And eventually it really does get easier. Would you, would you agree? I think so. And also, of course, you know, it depends. It depends, you know, it depends on what's going on in your life. Yeah. So sometimes, you know, if there's a lot of stress in your life, the mind will be very distracted. Um, but if you have been practicing, you know, your ability um, is stronger, you know, to just, you know, find some inner peace, even in the midst of, um, you know, pain or, or stress, uh, in, in your life, you know, we are, we are taught in our tradition, you know, to not, not worry so much about, um, what's going on in meditation in terms of our progress, but, you know, to look in our life. And, you know, that's just very practical because if you're meditating and you're evaluating your meditation as you meditate, um, that's an obstacle. Right. And so, because the goal is to let the mind become quiet. Um, but what, you know, I noticed, you know, very early on, and I still notice is that when my meditations are stronger and deeper, then I have more clarity, you know, during the day I have that, you know, we, we talk about the pause that comes meaning that we're not so caught up in discursive thinking mind, um, just acting um, from that, but that we have a more expansive um, experience of awareness, you know, um, moments of just, just being aware and uh, watching thoughts arise and um, fall away as opposed to, you know, having to cling on to every thought that um, arises, you know. So meditation, you know, I think is our success with meditation really starts to show in um, being able to live every day with a clearer meditative awareness, meaning a more spacious awareness um, to be, you know, less reactive to what's going on around us or what is arising within us. Mm -hmm. So we've talked about two of the F's so far, foster and focus, and now we're moving to the third one, which is flow. How does one know about 
this um, when they when actually they have moved from focus into the flow or meditation state. Mm. Yeah, they're moving from concentration to meditation in that and that happens by itself, which is helpful to know. So you don't make yourself meditate. You know, we were talking earlier about how meditation is natural. You know, what you do as your, in a sense, your your meditative aerobic workout is you strengthen that concentration muscle. You, you learn how to keep bringing your attention back to your point of focus. But at some point then, you know, just through watching, just through awareness, just through staying tuned in, um, your uh, attention and awareness will start to flow to that point of focus. And it's, it's like um, time slows down. Um, your experience becomes feels more expansive. And, you know, I, I talk about this point into flowing into meditation as a palpable shift. So when you're in the concentration stage, you're noticing all this distraction in your mind and you're bringing your attention back. And then there's a point where your 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 thought, that thought activity, that restlessness where you have to keep bringing your attention back has, has actually settled just as it's described in the sutra. And then there's the experience of your awareness simply expanding and you, you feel, um, you know, I would describe it just as peace, as the inner quiet. And that's when meditation is beginning. Mm -hmm. And um, then you just sit. You, you don't try to keep going with your breath and your mantra. You don't do anything but observe that meditative experience. And, you know, talking about this, I'm thinking of Paramahansa Yogananda saying, you know, where others, um, you know, end off their meditation practice, that's where I'm just beginning. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we can, you know, we might see that like, okay, I've reached this meditative um, state of awareness um, where I feel this peace of the soul and I'm blissful and, you know, all that. And they would think, okay, you know, check, I've done it. But the yoga masters would say, like Paramahansa Yogananda, no, that's just the beginning. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yes. And there's not really a way to keep that flow going. <laughs> it's kind of like what you were saying, you know, as soon as you notice sometimes, then that's like pops the, you know, balloon and you back, <laughs> you're back into focus. Yeah, and that's why, you know, the yogis developed these techniques for meditation, you know, in, in the Kriya Yoga tradition, we teach Kriya Yoga Pranayam, which um, influences the flow of prana, our vital force, and contributes to quieting the mind and allowing the uh, energy of prana to ascend into the higher um, levels of um perception you know so we have some techniques which which help us you know enter that um higher stage of of awareness mm -hmm. and um you know this is this is also we think about it this way that the experience of meditation and certainly the experiences of you know, samadhi, higher states of consciousness are really a combination of our self-effort, you know, where we, we, we have a practice, we sit ourselves down, we arrange conditions, you know, as we've said before, you know, through our, um, you know, arranging conditions of fostering and, and then the, um, focus and then this moving, sh the shift that occurs is, due to divine grace we don't make that shift happen and it's helpful to know that like you know our our work quote unquote of meditation is arranging those conditions bringing forth a focus and then flow comes through the inherent and this is important we don't earn it the inherent activity of divine grace mm -hmm. that just um brings that direct experience so um Otherwise, I think 
we can wear ourselves out in our meditation session, you know, trying to get somewhere where, you know, the Zen masters would say you, you already are <laughs> there. Um, there's no get trying to get there. Um, you lose your way. Mm -hmm. Right. And I would say from times in my life when I've been very stressed and you know, I sit down to meditate and I'm still in focus and it gets to the end of the meditation practice and I'm still in focus and I haven't hit flow yet. <laughs> While it's frustrating, uh, I, I still notice the benefits of taking that time to meditate. So I did want to make that point for listeners. Don't be too disturbed if you if it takes you if if you don't always get to flow every single meditation this benefits of meditation still come to you do you want to yeah, yeah that's absolutely true and you know you you may experience that uh opening of your awareness after your formal sitting um, yes. right and sometime during the day you may you may find the awareness of the presence of God, you know, arising within your heart and mind right there in the kitchen. You know, that happens, happened to brother Lawrence all the time. Mm -hmm. <laughs> so we've talked about foster and focus and flow. And now the last stage is finish. So would you say a little bit more about why it's important to do a conscious finish to our meditation session? Well, part of it is seeing meditation as a tool, you know, for spiritually conscious living. And so um, it, that stage of meditation is about gathering up, in a sense, the benefits of practice and offering them, you know, offering them for the well-being of all, um, offering them, you know, into your day so, so that there's not this separation between, okay, this is my spiritual practice and this is my ordinary life. Um, so that stage of meditation where you, you just take a few moments to let the effects of meditation um, pervade, you know, your mind and your body and, you know, draw that peace that you touched. If only, if you only touched it for 10 seconds, <laughs> you know, what you would say was 10 seconds. Um, what you are touching is actually out of time. It is not in the boundaries of time. And so there is a transformative effect to that. So at the end of your practice time, you can just take a moment and recall that. And sometimes actually that moment of, you know, like when you're all done and you're just sitting there and kind of, you know, being aware of inner peace and, you know, praying for others, praying, you know, to bring forth your highest self into your day, uh, however your prayer takes form for you. Sometimes that's the best part of meditation because you stop trying and then, and, you know, and then you just have this deeper experience of, of inner inner peace. So, you know, it's about making that um, um, a continuum between your sitting practice and your practice of living as a spiritually conscious being. Mm -hmm. mm, that's great. Well, unbelievably, we've come to close to the end of our time together. And I wanted to give you a chance to share some final words of encouragement or inspiration with our listeners. What would you like to share? Um, well, I, wish. Um, I, I would, you know, when I think back to when I began meditating and in my practice today, um, there's a piece of advice that I hold close that was so important to me in the beginning, and it continues to be important to me, you know, 40 years later. Um, and in the beginning, I found it challenging to meditate. Um, and the biggest challenge, you know, was myself, you know, was my fears, uh, my active mind, um, you know, all of that. And 
um, I had this ideal that, you know, if I was going to be a meditator, I would sit and everything would get quiet. And it didn't happen like that at all. I was just jittery and um, everything that was going on in my life was like sitting on the cushion with me. And, you know, it was, it was, it was hard. And so um, I came across some wisdom from the Zen master, uh, Suzuki Roshi, who said, just sit. And I thought, well, I can do that. (laughs) I can, I can just sit. And, but then, you know, after trying that, I realized, oh, that's hard too. (laughs) Because it meant that I needed to sit every day, that I needed to be committed to sitting every day. And, but out of that kind of freeing instruction, just sit. I was then able to set up a daily practice and just sit and not get so um, wrapped up in if I was ever going to do it right or not. And um, that really helped me because what we need more than anything when we want to meditate is to establish a regular daily practice. Mm-hmm. And um, and so I said, you know, 40 years later, it's still helpful to me because all of us um, – are living in this world that is, you know, stressful and all things are subject to change and things go on. (laughs) And, um, you know, we have to have this, this commitment that is uninterrupted. Mm. And so I often just say that to myself, even now, you know, just sit, no matter what, you know, just sit um you know and you know because you're connected to this community that you know a few months ago an arsonist set our temple on fire and you know fortunately no one was harmed but it was a shock and so i had to say to myself just sit Mm -hmm. you know just sit Mm -hmm. and um so from the beginning to 40 years later i am still using that wisdom just sit. Mm -hmm. Great advice. For listeners, you've been listening to the Yoga Hour. It's been my pleasure to share this time with you. I'm Dr. Laurel Trujillo, host and producer of the program. My guest today has been Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, who is the founder and spiritual director of the show. We always adore having her on the show and, and having her share her wonderful teaching with us and with you. Uh, You can check out Yogacharya O'Brien's work, her many books at her website, ellengraceobrien.com. There are also many online programs that are available uh, with her, and you can find those at csecenter.org. Thank you so much, Yogacharya O'Brien, for coming back on the show today. Totally my pleasure, and um, it was a great topic, and um, I want to remind and the listeners, especially the new ones who are just tuning into Yoga Hour, that there's a wonderful archive of this um, program, uh, Yoga Hour, where there's so many episodes about meditation that are are supportive. Um, it's free, it's accessible. So go to um, the Yoga Hour website and take a look at that, everything that's offered. Thank you for making that possible. Mm-hmm. For listeners, we hope you'll join us for the many online programs offered by the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, which sponsors this program. There is daily meditation. So if you are just starting out, it'd be lovely if you could join us. It's at 6.30 in the morning, a.m. Pacific time, 6.30 to 7.30. Also in the afternoon from 4 to 4.30 p.m. and Monday evenings at 7.30 p.m. All of those times are Pacific times. We also offer a Sunday satsang. Satsang is a Sanskrit word meaning a gathering of truth seekers. That happens at 10 a.m. Pacific each Sunday. 
You can also hear more from Yogacharya O'Brien on another sister podcast to this show, the Kriya Yoga Today podcast, that includes presentations from classes and talks that Yogacharya has given. You can find those programs through the CSE website, csecenter.org, or wherever you get your podcasts. And again, it's called Kriya Yoga Today. You can find out about these programs that I've mentioned and many more at the CSC Center website, cscenter.org. Join us next time on the Yoga Hour when my guest will be Laura Schmidt. We will be discussing practical steps that allow us to build momentum for healing and action in this time of climate change. Yoga Hour is a service project of the Center for Spiritual Enlightenment, a meditation center in the Kriya Yoga tradition. Remember, you can subscribe to the show wherever you get your podcasts. And if you're enjoying it, share it with a friend. Thank you to the Yoga Hour team, our founder and spiritual director, Yogacharya Ellen Grace O'Brien, assistant producers, Anne Hayes, Mickey Coronado, Christine Sote, and Lauren Leidinger. I look forward to being with you again. Until then, remember, you carry your own healing and wholeness within you. Share your peace and joy with all you meet. Bye now. Bye.